Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. Hello, and my name is Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, this is part two of this week's show, in which we are diving deep into 1999's Best Picture category. Um, and if you didn't see part one, don't worry about it. We'll catch you up. We'll catch fine. you up. In fact, let's go ahead and recap our nominees and the alternates that we picked on part one right now. Wait, right now? Right now. Right, the second. The, this very second, let's recap. Like I said, 1999's Best Picture nominees plus the alternates that we picked in part one. All right, go. And the nominees are Shakespeare in Love. Elizabeth. Life is Beautiful. The Thin Red Line. And Saving Private Ryan. And now for the alternates that we have chosen. Mm-hmm. American History X. Rushmore. The Truman Show. And Pleasantville. Wonderful list. It's it's a it's a fantastic list. There's a there's a couple movies you know that didn't make the cut mostly because Jeff hasn't seen The Big Lebowski. But you know it's okay. We won't hold it against him. <laughs> I will say that I like our list of I like our list of alternates better than the list of Oscar nominees this year, which isn't isn't really what happens normally, <laughs> right? The the uh, the alternate list really. <clears throat> Uh, serves as an example of trying to broaden the scope of what these movies were this year because, let's face it, the Academy really only had two movies to watch for their Best Picture uh, nominees. There was an Elizabethan love story, uh, and there World was War a II. World War II movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, there's really only, only the two. Uh, not a lot of variety, but I think our, our alternates really provide a good amount of variety uh, to add to this nominee list. Okay, uh, I think uh, I think I hear Al. I think Al's yeah, Al bugging us. You're bugging us. All right, it looks sounds like it's time to do Al's useless facts. In 1998, The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey, opened to audiences everywhere. Despite the film's Norman Rockwell aesthetic and morality reality show message, The Truman Show did not garner any Academy Awards. According to the film's writer, The Truman Show was originally meant to take a much darker tone. The Truman Show was originally supposed to be called The Malcolm Show. Malcolm was to be an alcoholic who visits prostitutes, stuck in a dark New York-like reality show. The original part of Malcolm was rumored to be played not by Jim Carrey, but by the less jovial Gary Oldman. And that was Al's Useless Hollywood Facts. Thank you, Al, for those fact. For those fact? (laughs) There's only one fact. (laughs) <laughs> Whatever, keep going, man. Just keep rolling. <laughs> Before we get in, <laughs> you know, I'm just just keeping it real. Before we get into actually rating these movies, let's go ahead and explain what our five finger metric system is. We base these movies uh, on five different categories, each one getting a full finger. If we agree, a half finger. If we have a disagreement, no fingers. If we are in agreement that it should not receive a finger. The first finger is whether or not a movie is timeless. Is it a classic movie? Is it something that will stand up to the test of time? 
Second finger would be, is the story compelling? Is this a movie that we wanted to watch to its completion? Did we follow its characters? Did we love the story? Were we, you know, moved by it maybe? Or, you know, did we cry? Did it or, make us cry? Or did we laugh? Or did we care is really the, 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 at the heart of that. Uh, the third finger on the metric is, was the movie well cast? Does it have, you know, people that they put in place that made you feel the things that made it compelling? Uh, the fourth finger on our metric is, does this movie hold up to multiple viewings? Is this something you would want to watch multiple times? Is it something that when it's, you know, you're scrolling through Netflix and you see it again, is it a movie that you're going to want to hit play on? And would you recommend this movie is our final finger? Basically, if somebody came up to you and said they have never seen this movie, is it something that you were compelled to tell them, oh my God, you have to see this movie? So that's, uh, that's what we're going to be basing these, these movies off of. That's our five-finger metric. And the last two on there, the multiple viewings and the recommendations one, is usually the one that either makes or breaks the movies for us. It does. Because yeah. sometimes you have those really compelling Oscar movies that you really don't want to fucking watch again or that you really wouldn't want to tell people, eh, you can watch eh, you can watch it or you could, you could take it or leave it. You know? Some movies are great but really only need the one viewing. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I saw that movie. It was good, but I don't ever need to see it again. You know? Yeah, like, would you want to watch The Piano more than once? Not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let's go ahead and dive right into our, our movies. Not to shit on the piano or anything. Uh, the movies is... The, the, the piano <laughs> Not to is a, shit on the piano. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't shit, on the, shit piano, on the piano. Never shit on the piano, you know? <clears throat> it makes it up, too. It, like the oils in the poop really corrode <laughs> the strings. This is it's, going... Okay, let's just get to the... Let's just get to, let's get to the movies. Let's go ahead and start with our winner of this category, which was Shakespeare in Love. However, this movie became the winner of this category. Now, I don't know how Shakespeare in Love actually beat um, Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, or Saving Private Ryan, Ryan at all. Or even The Thin Red Line. Like, all I don't know how this movie came out. I have no idea. I have a theory, though. That Let's um, hear the theory, Corey. So, the movie Elizabeth... Oh, I need to get some popcorn. And the movie Shakespeare in Love are both Elizabethan love drama stories. Movies right? that take place in an era where Queen Elizabeth was in power. Yes, and they both... Elizabethan. Yes. They I'm both. doing air quotes. Nobody can see me do it. No. It's, uh, you know, that's for the, the people watching in the studio audience. Exactly. Um, on, our po- on, our, on our YouTube channel that we don't have? Yeah. yeah. One day we'll get around to that, I'm sure. Um, both Shakespeare in Love and Elizabeth, not only do they share a common era... But they also share common actors. Both Joseph Fiennes and um, Jeffrey Rush, who are, play the two main leads <laughs> in Shakespeare in Love, With- are also main leads in Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth comes out in November and doesn't do a tremendous amount box office wise. It's more of a smaller, you know, British film. Um, it's this epic history lesson, basically. It doesn't get a lot of box office love. Then, uh, a month later, Shakespeare in Love comes out. And it gets a lot of buzz because, you know, it's Gwyneth Paltrow and, it, you know, fucking Ben Affleck's in this movie. And, and it's Colin about, Firth. Colin Firth is in this movie. And it's about Shakespeare, you know. In the 90s, I feel like there was this sort of boom of appreciation for Shakespeare. I don't know if you'd call it a boom of Shakespeare. I would think you'd call it a um, bastarding of Shakespeare. Bastard- bastardization with of Shakespeare. Bastardization of Shakespeare with the Romeo and Juliet starring, you know, him... Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo, yeah, and Claire Danes. Yeah. No, not Claire Danes. What's her face? Is it Claire Danes? Yeah, Claire Danes. Yeah, Claire Danes. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that if you're gonna make a modern. 
but, Shakespeare, or Romeo and Juliet, they would not be the first two people I'd put in it. But you know, I, I'm not. The movie, the movie was fine. Uh, fine modernization of of Shakespeare. Uh, there's also there was a lot of modernization. God awful, but you know, uh, you wouldn't recommend. The music it. was good. Sure, the soundtrack was fucking awesome. John Leguizamo was great. Yes, <laughs> um, but also like. Ten Things I Hate About You and Oh, and there was a lot of like churning of Shakespearean work mm-hmm. into sort of taming of the shrew. Times. Of course, so, you know this this movie comes out at a time where people are like really looking for that sort of you know Shakespeare stuff in sort of pop culture. But I feel like the people that wa- that watch Ten Things I Hate About You are not the same people that went out and watched Elizabeth. No, and that that's the or point of making Shakespeare in Love. The the people that watched that movie saw the same fucking actors. And the press for Shakespeare, the the sort of buzz for Shakespeare in Love, at the time, uh, I think confused the old Academy voters, and so like they saw Elizabeth, and just thought that it was Shakespeare in Love because that's what everybody was talking about. So you're contending that Shakespeare in Love won this Academy Award because the Elizabeth voters were too senile to mark the right. I'm the saying right movie. I'm saying a lot of Academy voters are old. Okay, so you you. I'm just making this straight. The Academy Award voters were too stupid or senile to mark the right Elizabethan movie. They were confused, yes. Okay. Now, we had three World War II movies. None of them got nope. <laughs> mixed up. Mm-mm. But the two nope. Elizabethan movies got mixed up. Yep. Okay. Just they didn't have sure. They didn't have the same cast. All right. I'm just making the, sure. These two movies are so parallel. <laughs> it's, it's mind-boggling. Anyway. Gotcha. I got let's, you. Let's go and run Shakespeare in Love through our metric. All right. Is it timeless? No. I don't think it, I don't feel it's timeless. This feels very much like a 90s rom-com uh, in, in parts. It uh, is corny as fuck in a lot of other parts. Uh, the theater reference to it, uh, like the references that they build in there um, through dialogue and through like, you know, he run, Shakespeare will run into a character. And then that character will just like name drop himself as some other famous playwright or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, they did that a couple times in other movies. I mean, um, what's the, you know, the the one with Heath Ledger, um, A Knight's Tale. Yes, A Knight's Tale. Well, yeah, that had like a modern score and stuff. Like they weren't taking themselves seriously as, you know, like this this epic romantic historical drama. You know, like this I one, feel like A Knight's Tale and Shakespeare in Love are kind of the same amount of campiness. I would not have nominated A Knight's Tale for an Academy Award. I would not have nominated Shakespeare in Love for an Academy Award well, either. I agree with you there. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It feels very out of place on this list. Is it um, a compelling story? In parts, there there are certain characters that I'm. I don't think it's by, compelling, but so. overall, no. I mean, it, it's funny. Like the, this movie has like, like parts of it <laughs> thematically are like, yo, hashtag feminism. Women can do anything men can do. With Gwyneth Paltrow sort of dressing like uh, a male to become an actor in a troupe, um, it's not making a huge sort of feminist statement, but there is a bit of that in there. And then on the other side, Shakespeare is this sort of slacker writer who is also an adulterer and is, you know, a bit of a homewrecker. He's like he womanizes his way through, you know, London or you know, like it, it just yeah. But he's Shakespeare, man. He's like Shakespeare. Yeah, and, and everybody's you're supposed to still be like, but ah, he's, he's a good guy because yeah, he's Shakespeare. Like he's Shakespeare. it's cool he that he the has ladies. A, a he's wife the motley crew of the kids. Freaking England times. Yeah, I, I don't. They, they made him out to be this. <laughs> I don't like, know what the England star. times are, but 
Yeah. England time, the Elizabethan era. <laughs> yeah, the Elizabethan era. <laughs> we, just, we just established. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, there's there's some... He's the David Lee Roth of the, of the Elizabethan era. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, according to this movie. Uh, also, he's not a brilliant playwright. Like, he just um, sort of absorbs all of the other brilliant people around him, you know, saying things to him and puts that into his work. It's like... I, I don't know. Th- this movie is so not not great. Compelling, no. Ugh. Okay, is it uh, is well cast? Now, this I would give it well cast because mm. it does have um, the person who is better than us, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> sure, sure. She's better than everybody. She goops the fuck out of this. She yeah. goops it. She goops it. Um, I mean, Dame, she names her children Apple. Dame Judi Dench is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, Colin Firth Colin and Jeffrey Firth. Rush and Joseph Fiennes and Ben Affleck is in this movie. We can leave Ben Affleck off that list and still have a great cast. Sure, you know. Yeah. Um, actually, he's he's not he's not super annoying in this movie. He sort of plays exactly what he needs to play in this movie. Um, though I don't, I'm not versed enough in British accents to know whether or not his is terrible. <laughs> I'm my, just going to assume it's my terrible. My gut reaction is that it's probably a terrible British accent, but I, I don't know. Yeah. You know. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll cast. It's got, it's got a really good cast. Everybody's trying hard, but it's just the writing is is really ho-hum, and like the it's so campy, and the story, like I said, the, like it was nominated for original screenplay. Half of this movie is motherfucking Romeo and Juliet. Like you didn't have to write a ton, and I I don't know it it just. Nah. All right, well, what does it hold up to multiple viewings? I never want to see this movie again. Wow, you really hate this movie. I I did not enjoy it. Okay, well, I would say I give it I give it a half because I think that I'm going to speak on behalf of the ladies. I think this is a good rom com. I think there's a lot of ladies that will watch this movie and men that'll watch this movie sure. multiple times. Um, because it is a fun, uh, good movie to watch. Now, I don't think it's Oscar worthy, but I think a lot of people. I don't want to be just uh, guyish about this movie. I think there's a lot of people that would watch this movie just because it's a fun movie. So I'm going to give it a uh, point for multiple viewings, which I think is a half point for both of us. Half a finger for for multiple viewings, sure. For the ladies, uh, would and you, men who like to watch it. For the people who would enjoy a absurd. Romantic tale of Shakespeare. So sure. mean. So mean. <clears throat> it's fine. Okay. Would you recommend this movie? No. No. Absolutely not. No. I wouldn't recommend this movie. I just in you know I wouldn't go around recommending this movie. I, like who who cares if you haven't seen Shakespeare in Love? <laughs> okay. So we give it. So how many fingers we give in this movie? Uh, tallying up the score, it gets one and a half fingers. Oh man. So it's just above giving it a one. We've even more. F- I, I would have thought for your hatred of this, we we would have given it just a finger. I'm surprised, but we're giving it a finger and a half. So yeah, you know. All right. Okay, uh, moving on to Elizabeth. Let's yeah, let's stay in Elizabethan times <laughs> and move on to Elizabeth. Um, now we, I think, will think differently about this one than we did about Shakespeare in Love. Uh, this is a much much better film in general. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty epic his you know history lesson of a film, so it can be a little boring at times. Um, but overall, a, a really good film. You know, Kate well, Blanchett is amazing in it. Let's run the metric on it. Okay, is it a, is it a timeless film? I think you can expect to see this one on a classic movie list. I I would agree. I also think that this is one of those movies that qualifies for like. Uh, high school classroom viewing. <laughs> you 
you know, when, when you're going over, you know, British history, the teacher can take a day off and put on Elizabeth to <laughs> get you caught up. Or the teacher can just take a day off by saying, oh, if I play this one, I won't get in trouble by the principal. Sure. I, I, I'll build it into my curriculum. Exactly. <laughs> so I say, okay, we got, we got, a, we both giving it a finger for Timeless. Sure, Timeless. Is it a compelling story? Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, Queen Elizabeth's um, arc in this movie is uh is a really compelling one. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say like her like becoming queen and being sort of like you know full of zeal and love at the beginning, and then she just gets sort of like betrayed, and everything sort of crumbles around her uh, in her personal life, and she ends this movie just completely devoid of feeling, and like cuts all of her hair off and paints herself white and baptizes herself uh, as a new virgin. You know, like that's. You can do that, right? That's a heavy road. I mean, if you're queen, you can. I think you, know. you can do that anyway. Or just can de- you? declare that you're declare a virgin. Declare yourself a virgin yeah. again? I mean, I wouldn't, but you know. No? I, th- I think you can do that. Sure. Why not? Several times. It's uh, Yeah. I think it's I think something you're able to do. Every new marriage. Every new marriage, you're able to do that. <laughs> lots lots of ladies uh, getting married for second and third times still wearing white. So yeah, I, I think. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I, just, mm. I'm just double, double, I want to mm. double check on that. Stay pure America. And uh, is it? I believe it's compelling. Also, um, is okay. it well cast? Uh, yeah, this is. It has the same cast as Shakespeare in Love. So if we parts, gave yeah. Shakespeare in Love a well cast, we have to give Elizabeth well, well cast. Well, it, it has Shakespeare in Love's cast plus. There is a who's who of British actors in this movie. Yes, a who's who of that guy froms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. It's got the that guy froms. So we've got that guy from Ocean's Twelve, sure, and Thirteen. Actually, mm-hmm. he played the part in both of them. It's got that guy from uh, Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's it's got a lot of that guy's from. It's got two of those guys from Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> it's got two of the guys from Shakespeare in Love. So it's really good. Yeah, no, the, the cast the cast is, is really well uh, put together. Um, you know, it, it's weird that like these movies. I, I don't know who is compelled to like make these movies. Um, like as a filmmaker, like I, 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 there's something in me as a viewer who doesn't quite understand like. Like I appreciate when these movies are made, but like I, there's nothing exciting about like, all right, we're gonna you know go off and for three months and like recreate, <laughs> you know, Elizabethan uh, England. You know, like I, I don't know, it, it's it's kind of weird, but I, I appreciate the movies when they come out. It's it just doesn't spark that like inner filmmaker in me, you know, the way that some of the other movies on this list would. You know, I I, I don't know, but uh, I have no desire to be a filmmaker. So they're for always. Me, I just like seeing a film. Sure, but the, these movies are always pretty solid. Like even even the the movies that are like uh, like the Jane Eyre novel adaptation movies and stuff, they're it's kind of the same same thing. Like I I'm I don't know who's compelled to make them. It's not me, you know, or or you know, like I'm not in that demographic, and I understand that. Um, but I can appreciate the movie for having you know been made, and they're always kind of really just solid because the ensemble cast helps to sort of fortify. And move everything along in a really smooth fashion, you know? Um, that there are very little hiccups in any of these types of movies, you know? Um, but not a lot of action either. It's it's a lot of sort of character study and, like, moving story along. Like, there's not a lot of, like, brisk action happening. Although, there's an assassination attempt scene in this that's pretty um, intense where, like, arrows are flying in. And, um, Shh, don't give it away. Oh, I mean, she, she survives. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Don't give it away. Not everybody knows British history. Sure. 
Well, if all, you have, all anybody knows is that Henry had like a bunch of wives, and he chopped off heads. Is that is he that chopped off like a couple of their heads? I don't yeah. know, one. I and don't he know. invented divorce. Uh, I don't think he invented divorce. I think he just broke from the Catholic Church. Or he he made it okay to divorce. I don't know if he made it okay. He just invented <laughs> a new religion. I mean, for him. <laughs> uh, would you? Uh, does this movie hold up to multiple viewings? I believe it does not. No, it does not. Okay. Um, I would say so. I've seen this movie a, a couple times, and every time I watch it, I go, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. And I, I like, there's parts of it. I think be- because it's one of the movies that I was just talking about, that like every time I watch it, uh, I'm, it, I, I kind of come to it with, with uh, fresher eyes every time because I forget about the sort of like, you know, the way they've captured the history. And um, I feel like I learn something every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah. If I, and then I, I promptly forget it. It's sort of like college, you know. Well, see, with these movies, what I like to do is if I think I want to see... There's been so many movies made about Elizabeth that mm-hmm. I don't want to watch the exact same movie again. There's mm-hmm. so many other different takes on Elizabeth. Sure. I mean, Kate Blanchett has done two or three of these particular Elizabeth movies. Yeah. yeah. I think the the sequel was even nominated, at, you know, six years later or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so a half a point for multiple viewings. Yes. Okay. And then would you recommend this movie... I would say no. 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 I, I mean... There's too many Elizabeth movies. I, I, it's a good movie, but uh, I don't know that I would care if somebody hadn't seen it. I'm not feeling the Elizabeth love, really, when I'm watching this movie. It's okay. Hmm. All right. I mean, it's got good performances. The, I mean, the story is what the story is. Uh, Kate Blanchett is is really good. Blanchett or Blanchett? Blanchett. 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 Blanchet. 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 Blanche. Blanche. Golden Girls. Dor- Dorothy. Yeah, we <laughs> got there. We got there. All right. All right, next film. Well, we got the, we, this one got how many fingers? Uh, tallying the votes, it got three and a half. Three and a half fingers. You know, it's, that's a modest, that's a modest finger tally. That's some driving Miss Dis- da- Daisy level shit. That is know? driving Miss Daisy. Once you, once you hit driving Miss Daisy level, you're in good company. Yeah, that's worthy of being nominated. Yeah, Shakespeare sure. in Love did not get driving Miss Daisy level no. status. It so. got like fucking eyes wide shut status. <laughs> <laughs> I think eyes wide shut actually got one finger. Yeah. We I gave it the finger. I'm not sure we've actually ever rated eyes wide shut. I think we did we, just for fun. We just gave we it just the for finger. Fun. We gave it the finger. <laughs> I think on our first episode... Didn't we? Well, we didn't have this metric on our very first episode, but yeah. Okay, what did we do in our first episode? We just we rambled take on that one down. idly. I think we should take that one down. Yeah. If anybody's listened to that, like on Spotify, you should not listen to that Here, one. Here's the thing. We're, we're going to tell you, don't listen to that episode, and now people will purposefully go back do and listen, listen to Do not listen to our episode, yeah. first episode. <sighs> yeah, that's not going to be good. Okay, so next one is Life is Beautiful. Oh, a foreign language film. Foreign language film. It won for Best Foreign Language Film. And Best Director this year. And Best Actor this year. Okay, so... That is a powerful foreign language film. Very powerful. I did not understand a word of it. <laughs> you, bought the, you bought the version that didn't have the subtitles? Oh, is there a subtitled version? <laughs> yes. Damn, they were just speaking Italian, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Yes. You only got every other word or whatever? Yeah, you know, like my my Anytime high school. They went, yeah, my, <laughs> my my high school level Spanish gave me a bit of a pigeon understanding of kind of what was going on. Yes. In all seriousness, this film is a uh, very cute, very very beautiful film, but it uh, is well, about it life. does have a serious a serious tone. It is about uh, a 
Jewish Italian man Mm -hmm. and his family being separated and going into concentration camps. It's a very heavy film. Oh, is that what happens? Uh, yes, that is what happens. Oh, it was all just like bicycles he makes a and game. the Holocaust. He makes a game out of the... Uh, he he uh, convinces his, his child that it's a game to get him through it. Um, but we... Oh, what, what a fantastic game the Holocaust but was. But we don't, we don't want to... We, we, we don't feel we can rate this because we don't speak Italian. I, like I said, I didn't understand a word of it. So I think we have to yield to our Italian film delegates on this one. All right, so should we throw it to him now? Yeah, go ahead and let's throw it to our Italian film delegates. Okay, we're going to throw it to TV Italiano. I think that's what their official name is, right? Sure. I, I can't speak the language. I don't know. Okay, we're going we're gonna to yield to TV Italiano. We're going to throw it to him right now. Okay, here we go. Go. And we're back. All right. I didn't, I, I mean, I don't. I still don't know if they like this movie or not. No, they gave us something in Italian. What were they giving in Italian? Uh, they said uh, "Dua Dita." Dua Dita, which in my very, very broken Italian means two fingers. Should, if I, if I'm really, I think it means two fingers. Well, do do a yeah, do yeah, that, that makes that, Dua that Dita. Checks. Do a do dita, okay. Do a dita. Do a dita. We're offending all Italians everywhere. Yes, everybody in New York is offended right now. Yeah. All right, so do a dita. We're going to be giving Life is Beautiful two fingers. Capiche. Moving on. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go ahead and um, <laughs> let's dive into the lighter side of the World War Twos and um, and the thin red line. Yeah, and, is, and talk about the thin red line. The thin red line is that because <laughs> one of the stars is Casey Jones? Sure, yeah. Yeah, Elias Coteus. Coteus, yep. Plays Captain Staros in The Thin Red Line. He is my favorite character in the movie. He's my favorite character because he's Casey freaking Jones, Casey, man. He is Casey Jones. Um, his, TMNT. His, his particular little bit in, in the movie, which is jam-packed with a bunch of little bits. Um, you know, this has got like... This has got every famous Every, every famous, famous actor. American actor, yeah. You, Let's name them off. Go. John Travolta. Uh, George Clooney's in this movie. Sean Penn. John, Jared Leto. Yeah, he's, he's in it for a brief amount of time. He's only in it for like 30 seconds. To Mars? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who else we got in it? Um, Nick Nolte? Nick Nolte is in this movie. John Cusack's in this John movie. Cusack? Uh, this movie. You know what? He didn't say anything. <laughs> I think he had some lines. <laughs> Oh, come on, I think man. he did say. I think no, he, he but he did say stuff. Oh. <laughs> While he was on set, uh, Terrence Malick just said, "I don't know, just say anything." Yeah, there you go. I fixed it for you. <laughs> Rewrite. No, man, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Come on. Okay, keep it going. I'm just keeping it going. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head any any other. Oh, Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel sacrificed himself in this movie. Jesus, Jim Caviezel was good. He made a great sacrifice. <laughs> In this movie, um, this is some Adrian honey Brody good shit. A- Adrian Brody. <laughs> Adrian Brody. Brody was good. He didn't play a piano in the whole thing, though. He didn't. No. 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 Okay. Um. Can Can we end this bit? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, I didn't know it was a bit. We just kept on going. <laughs> I've run out of actors, so I I don't know how to proceed. Uh, it's got a star-studded cast, and uh, no, no, it's it's a it's a really good movie. The thing I like about this particular take on World War II is something we don't really get in World War II movies. Like, usually there's well, this, Well, first like, of all, it's in the... It's not in the European theater. No, it's in the Pacific theater. It's in the Pacific, Pacific theater, which they don't show very often. That's true. 
Um, I, like the only other one that comes to mind is meaning uh, they're fighting the Japanese, not the Nazis. Sure. Uh, the only other movies that kind of come to mind are like Midway, um, and uh, the Thin Red Line. And no, well, fucking and <laughs> this is this movie is a Thin Red Line and fucking Letters of Iwo Jima and Flags of Our Fathers. Like, yeah, well, the one. Pacific, the show, the, the the HBO show, there was Band of Brothers and the Pacific TV Pacific. show. Man, I'm talking about films. Yeah, I know, but it's not that was done by you know Steven Spielberg, so it's not really. It was a little more than a just a TV show. It was a miniseries. It's where you get um, what's it called, Mr. Brobot guy. What's the guy that just did Bohemian Rhapsody? He came from that show. Oh, uh, uh, Rami Malek? Rami Malek came from mm. that show, so whatever. I'm going right. to throw it out there. I mean, he'll always be Mr. Robot to me. He'll always be uh, Freddie Mercury to me. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I hear he's fantastic Freddie Mercury, uh, as Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. He is. Bohemian Rhapsody was great. Hmm. Lots it's, of hair, lots of teeth. It's getting mi- mixed reviews. Um, I'm... I'm eager to see it to to sort of make up my own my own decision. Well, you have it. to watch, you have to realize that if you are going into the movie looking for a gritty portrayal of Freddie Mercury, it is not that. It is the it is Queen's vision of what they want their band to to be remembered as. Gotcha. So if you know that going into it, that is what it is. It's then a it's biopic gonna, on them. Then it's in completely enjoyable as a Queen fan. As a Queen fan, you would love it, which you you are. You I love am. Queen. I, I like Queen a lot. Yeah. If you're going into it looking at it as, as a real gritty portrayal of what it was like in the band at the time, then no, it's not. It's going to be completely. You're, hmm. you're not going to. And that's why they lost. Um, I, I his name escapes me. Um, Brian Borat, Cranston. Brad. No, oh. Borat. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. That's why they lost him. Was because he wanted it to be a gritty portrayal of what actually has happened, what life was, and they didn't want that. Yeah, he he uh, he just came out with a with a thing uh, like a statement that said that he really wanted to lean heavily into the um, the sort of homosexual side of Freddie Mercury and the AIDS and like really dive into that whole side of it. Well, if it makes sense when you see the film because in the film the band members are portrayed as kind of getting sick of Freddie Mercury and all his bullshit, mm-hmm. and so. If that's where they're coming from their whole lives, it makes sense why they didn't want their biopic to be about Freddie Mercury's drugs and all the things that went with it. Sure. Uh, moving into the thin, or back to the thin red line, and let's yes. uh, let's go ahead and run it through uh, our our metric here. Is it a timeless movie? Fuck yeah! It is a beautifully shot movie uh, that I think will hold up through uh, time a lot. Yeah, um, the themes in it. The the sort of war is hell, and there's nothing you can do to escape it. But there's a lot of war is hell. Of it. There's a lot of war is hell juxtaposed with uh, fantasies from the soldiers, which makes it really boring. It's it's a really long film, sure. Because there's a lot of like the guy fantasizing about his wife at home and all the things he's missing, and then Jim Caviezel talking about or, or fantasizing about swimming with natives, with natives, yeah. and in Tonga, and it's it's a little weird in some parts. It. I mean, it drags, or it, it drags it out. It it's not dra- weird; it just it, drags it out. Like it's weird because, like you know, it, uh, the next thing is is uh, is compelling. It's compelling all the way through. It's just it drags out all that stuff. So you're like, oh, we haven't done, we're not done yet. There's more. Yeah. Like there was a moment when I was watching this film where I paused it and uh, thought, well, clearly I'm about to end this. Like this movie is almost about to be over, and there was an hour and fifteen minutes left. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, my God, dude, it's a it's a Sean Penn film. I mean, come on, it's, yeah, he's like, never in anything well, short. Ter- Terrence Malick too is uh, a little self indulgent with his filmmaking. 
typically. Um, I'm not a huge Terrence Malick fan, but this movie um, is one of the, the But ones, if they the didn't, ones. if they made it shorter, they wouldn't have been able to put all those actors into it. It's true. They had just too many actors to put in this film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Timeless, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like that this is the different take on World War II. Usually there's this like veneer of honor that we're supposed to, like it's this heavy like weight of like you need to feel like these men were honorable at all times when we're talking about the greatest generation or World War II in general. This movie strips that all away and it feels more like they're, you know, that it feels they're like talking... V- it feels like Platoon. It feels exactly yeah, like the exactly. movie Platoon. It's, it's like a Vietnam and you can even compare where... you can even compare Jim Caviezel's part to Willem Dafoe's part in Platoon. Sure. They feel a lot, so they feel similar. They have a similar uh, character arc. Sure. In, uh, in what happens to their character and everything. They're very similar in... Um, in the way they kind of in their char- their their mannerisms and stuff in the film mm-hmm. itself are similar, so you can you can kind of the self righteousness of their characters are kind of similar. Yeah, and and even you know like the the way that some of these soldiers act, you know, there's there's the guy that stands up on the hill after the the, the battle and is, is like. Why do they all have to die? Like, I can stand up right now and I can yell and nothing's going to fucking happen to me. You yeah. know, like, why me? You know, all this kind of shit. Like, um, that kind of disdain for the war and how absurd it is that we kill each other for what? You know, like, we call it freedom. We call it, you know, emancipation or whatever. Like, really, why are we there? What the fuck are we doing? You know, and then even down to like Woody Harrelson, who's when we left off the list earlier, but like Woody Harrelson dies because he accidentally and his pulls, death scene takes forever. It does. It does take forever. His his death scene's about as long as the death scene from Alibi. Like, goddamn. It yeah, just, our our nineteen thirties. Yeah, movie. the yeah, the, it just sort of drags on. And if you haven't seen, if you haven't listened to that episode, go, go to the nineteen thirties. Go episode. back and listen to nineteen thirty best picture <laughs> and watch watch Alibi. The film noir film <laughs> in which a man dies for 15 minutes. Woody Harrelson Badly. dies for 15 minutes in this movie. They could have trimmed that down and saved some of the time, I think. Yeah, I think they should have saved some of the flashbacky stuff and some of the fantasy stuff. Uh, that a lot of that stuff speaks to character. They probably could have trimmed some of that down uh, for, for time and it would have been okay. But that, uh, you know, for like you know progressing sort of what these guys are feeling and stuff like that, it was pretty important to some of those characters. But there are entire characters in this movie you could have cut out completely, and you George would, Clooney, yeah, George Clooney. Um, you know, John Cusack can kind of be cut out of this movie. Jared Leto can be cut out of this movie. You know, um, a lot of different pieces could could have been cut out of this this movie for for time. But they were fantastic pieces of the movie. You know, when when you put it all together, it's just really long. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, when Woody Harrelson fucking blows his ass off, like I blew off my ass, <laughs> like. Um, that's not a good way to go, man. <laughs> and it sort of shows that, like, you know, even, even, you know, some, some act or, or uh, you know, soldiers who you think like, oh, that's the guy that has his shit together. He's one of the ones that isn't like scared of the battle. He isn't like terrified to like do what he needs to do. The stress of the, you know, being in war or whatever, sometimes you fuck up and that fuck up can cost you your life, you know, and Seeing that in a World War II movie, I feel is a rare thing, um, and that was uh, really refreshing for um, you know this particular movie, um, and that's what I think helps move it into the sort of timeless category for sure. Okay, was the movie compelling? 
I think we just did, you know talked very much about how it was, how it was compelling. Okay, we both agreed on that. Yeah. <clears throat> Is it well cast? I think we agreed. Actually, you know what? We can move on to all three of those. We said it was timeless. We said it was compelling. We said it was well cast. We just talked extensively it, yeah, about the it, cast. It's sort of given that we're going yeah. to be giving them all these fingers. Okay, so did it? does it stand up to multiple viewings? I'm going to say no because it is so fucking long. It is very long. This is also one of those movies like we talked about at the opening where like it's a great film, but I really only need to see this once. Yeah, me too. You know, like I I, I don't really need to see this again. Um, it doesn't make you feel really good. <laughs> you know, it's not one of those where you're like, oh, I want to see that movie because it's awesome. It's one of those where you see it and you go, fuck. You know, and then you don't really need to, to watch it again. You sort of gain that lesson from from the movie, you know. Yeah, but it does have Casey Jones in it. It does. I it mean, does have Casey Jones. He doesn't do that much. Uh, would you so. recommend this film? <clears throat> I would. I'd recommend somebody sees this film, but <clears throat> yeah, I'd recommend it. I would probably warn them, yo, it's a marathon, buckle in, but you should see this movie. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody hasn't seen this movie and is... But I'd preface it with, have you ever seen a film that has like 50 of the top actors of today in one film? Right. Yeah, I, guess I bet this film would be great to like keep in your pocket for that like uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon because I guarantee you could easily connect one of those fucking actors. All of them, dude. You think you connect every single one of these guys? No, I'm saying like you use that as like a, if you can get to Thin Red Line, then you can get to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> okay, know? let's do it right now. Oh, I don't want to do it right now. Oh man, all right, fine. Because we have to pick somebody random. Okay, Saving Private Ryan. Let's go. Saving Private Ryan is... By the way, that last one was Four Fingers. Oh, yeah. The total score for Thin Red... Let me just write it down. Four Fingers. Okay. Okay. Saving Private Ryan. Another World War II film. This is one of those war... Released in 1998. This is one of those war movies where it does have that sense of, like, these men were honorable. There's There's a scotch of, like, this shit is war and it sucks. Um... But their purpose, their um, like their purpose in the war, um, the reason they're there, the reason they're fighting is all sort of soaked in in the sort of honor it is to be an American soldier. The where they have a little bit of like, what the fuck is the point? Is like, why this guy? Like, why is he so fucking important? Yeah, and that just speaks more to the story, not necessarily and to th- the war itself. You know, and I think everybody has seen. I think. I think it would be doing a disservice to assume that people haven't seen this film. I think everybody's seen Saving Private Ryan. I mean, it was the number one at the box office this particular yeah. year. So. so let's, Um, I mean, mm. I do want to say that Edward Burns is so good in this movie. He's really, Giovanni Ribisi is really good in this yeah, movie. Yeah, but I mean like. Oh, that scene when he's given the morphine? Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I think all these guys actually, you know, come to. Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper's my favorite person in this whole so film. So good in this movie. When he's like praying before he shoots. Oh, the yeah. It's really. The, oh, it's, it's, there's so many great little character moments for every single one of them. You know, Tom Hanks um, is Tom Hanks, and he's great. You know, I think we, could do, we could do an entire episode just, just on, on this Saving, movie. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I think the weakest part, and it's, you know, barely the weakest part, is Matt Damon. I was going to say the weakest part of this whole film is... Um, the one cameo with uh, uh, Ted Danson. <laughs> that doesn't bug me. No. It kind of bothers me. Really? No, yeah, I'm like... It doesn't bug me. <laughs> and what's, what, I'm like, what's Cheers doing here, man? <laughs> it, just, it just pulled you out because you expected him yeah, to, I just, to I pour like, a beer. No, as soon as he came up, I was like, why is Ted Danson in this? 
know, it just didn't didn't I don't know whatever that's fine though. Yeah, we'll get to that when it when we get to well cast then <laughs> <laughs> no it's still well cast it just it was it was weird film. all right let, let's just so, let's just get get through this metric it's a great film everybody knows it's a great film um is it timeless fuck yeah it's timeless absolutely this is one of those like quintessential war movies um that people will be watching this for years to come absolutely yeah it's and you know it's weird because like Spielberg just has a one two punch of like two of the greatest war time movies of all time. One, this and Jurassic Park? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jurassic Park. Cool. That quintessential World War II movie, Jurassic Park. <laughs> exactly. When the dinosaurs ate the Nazis. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought. <laughs> mm, hold on to your butts. Here we go. Is it timeless? Yes, it's timeless. Um... Is it a compelling story? Yes. Yeah, it, it's so compelling. I think I mentioned in part one that like this movie affected me so much when I watched it that I went home and like had a two and a half hour conversation with my parents about like life and sacrifice yeah. and like how fucked up it, it was that this could have happened. You know, even though it was a fictional story, like because of the draft and like you know, I'm so glad that I don't have to go through being in a draft and like it went into this whole deep conversation because I saw this movie. So yeah, absolutely compelling. And we already know it's well cast. Yeah, I mean, except for Ted Danson. You want to give it a half point because no, of Ted Danson? No, I don't need to. Okay. I mean, because he didn't pour a beer for Cliff? <laughs> Norm, what are you talking about? Cliff and Norm? Norm's my favorite character. Oh, okay. Multiple viewings. Yes, I've seen this movie so many times. I have also seen this movie uh, multiple times and enjoyed it every single time I've watched it. Yeah, Matt Damon isn't really the best character in this movie. I don't really uh, he's, like him. He's just the weakest character. His portrayal isn't like terrible or anything. It's just he doesn't have a lot to do. They like get him and then they bring him home. You know, like he doesn't really have a tremendous amount. Like there's one kind of scene where he's he's just like, you know, why why the fuck do you guys care about me? You know, but in general, there's not a ton for him to like maneuver around in this movie because it's all really about this sort of group of guys that go to get him, you know, so like they get all the focus, um, you know, but uh, that's my only, that's a very tiny quibble about, you know, sort of like the casting of this movie. It's not Matt, that Matt Damon was miscast or anything. It's just that his character is a little weak compared to the rest of them, but not enough to like detract from the, the sort of weight of the story and what's going on, you know? And is it a movie you would recommend? Because yes. fuck yeah, I would. I, I like I just said, it's one of the greatest war wartime movies of all time. So man. that's five. That was a oh, straight damn. five finger. Perfect score for saving Private five finger Ryan. makes a fist of gra- makes a fist of a great time. But a fist, fist would be no fingers. No, a fist is all the fingers. I mean, it, I guess it depends. Fine. It would be a slap of a good time. It's just a. <laughs> it's a slap happy yeah. good time. Um. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan. Good score. All right, so that that concludes our regular nominees. So let's go ahead and move into our alternates, and we can kind of clip through these a little faster because they are alternates. You know, we never clip through anything we faster, right? We never do, I know. Uh, let's stay in the vein of history. Are you sure you want to go through Rushmore real quick? No, let's not right. rush to All right. Rushmore. All right. Let's stay in the American history vein and do American History X. All right, let's do American History X. Um, For those of you who don't know, this is uh, this is a movie that is very heavy, very heavy film. A, this is a movie that will get into your brain and stick with you for a while. Uh, yeah, with how disturbing some of the um, like 
real world imagery is. Yes. Even though it's in black and white, it feels like there's some real gory parts. Yes, and you it's know. about a it's about a, a guy who is arrested for a hate crime, and it's about his younger brother, who starts to fall into the same habits as his older brother while his older brother's in jail, and the older brother or the younger brother being, um, having to do a project that they call American History X, where he needs to re- do do research. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how the story kind of kind of unfolds and starts. And his brother gets out of jail during this time. And his younger brother, who is now a neo-Nazi, realizes that his brother has changed his ways. He's no longer uh, part of the movement. Mm-hmm. And he is trying to help his younger brother to get out of it. And that's how the story kind of progresses. Yeah. It's a really good film. Uh, yeah, there's, oh, there's really good character arcs in this movie. There's, you know... Like really good storytelling in this movie. Um, Stars Edward Norton, who got nominated for Best Actor this during this year. Isn't it a couple of Edwards in this movie. There's Edward Furlong. Yeah, it's a ba- who it's did really good, and and Feruza Bulk. The brothers Ed. Yes. <laughs> um, is it a timeless movie? I think this movie is absolutely timeless. Um, I think being in black and white helps uh, to not make it seem like a '90s era movie even though it takes place in the 90s you know like having it be in black and white um not only does it play into the sort of style of like what they're trying to say with the movie um but i think it it helps make it make it feel more like a timeless movie because it could kind of be any era uh, when you strip away this sort of like 90s look of of the um the era from yeah from you know yeah what would be like 90s looking aesthetics in the real world, if it was in full color, um, yeah, and I, I think more than that, the the story um, really supersedes all of that. Like the the redemption story of Edward Norton's character, you know, sort of realizing the error of his ways and the way he was thinking was wrong and destructive, and you know, then seeing his brother fall into those same habits and and realizing that there's a crisis. That needs to be righted, you know. Like that's that's a real timeless story. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, it is. Um, is it compelling? Yeah, the, this is a this is the definition of a compelling story. <laughs> I would completely agree. Yeah, from from you know hating him for curb stomping that guy out out in, in front of his house to rooting for him to help his brother and and get out of this sort of hateful society. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy to me that um, by the way, Beverly. I always forgot Beverly D'Angelo was in this film. She plays the mom. That's right. Yeah, um, but it's it's you don't see her in the typical. I mean, I I know her as you know the mom for vacation. But, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what is what is really surprising to me is that the they didn't Shakespeare and one Shakespeare in Love won for best uh, screenplay right this year original screenplay. Yeah. <clears throat> this didn't. What uh, the hell? It's a trap. Shakespeare in Love just fucking shit. Won everything. I I don't even know. Like it 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 I stole this Academy Awards somehow from a lot of. It won like seven awards, man. Like ridiculous. I don't understand why Shakespeare in Love won anything. It, people should have laughed at the idea that it would have been you know among the you know top Oscar movies in nominations and wins and stuff. Like it just doesn't compute to me. And um, how about, is this movie... Well cast? Well cast. Yeah. I think, you know, Edward Furlong didn't really do much after 
He, I, there's not that many films he's actually been in, mm-hmm. but this movie is definitely one that he should be proud of. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really compelling performances in this movie. Um, you know, it has great writing. It has, so it also has great characters because of the writing. And then they put good actors in place to really bring this compelling story uh, to life through through their work. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, absolutely. It's well cast. Like, there isn't there isn't a real low spot for me in, in this movie as far as the cast is concerned. Um, would you, is this a hold up to multiple viewings? It's a heavier movie, um, but it it's not over long, <laughs> so it, it doesn't over long. Yeah, like it, it doesn't run for oh, okay. three and a half hours, like or like a day and a half, like that. Uh, the Thin Red Line. You know, I, I felt like I felt like it took me an entire day to watch The Thin Red Line. Um, <laughs> American History X is just like it, it's a lot easy, easier to watch, even though the the themes in it are pretty heavy. But I, I think the sort of redemption <clears throat> aspect of it, um, you know, gets you sort of past the prison rape and it's, the curb stomp. And, you it's, know. Well, it's not really a short film. It's actually a two-hour, it's over two hours, but it, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, feel that way. feel long. Yeah. You, you know, like, The Thin Red Line ends, like, four or five different times, and you're just like, oh, this is the end of the movie. Nope, still still, still going. Okay, Yeah. Cool. Oh, this is the end of the movie. Nope, still going. Okay, we got 45 minutes left. Oh, a half an hour left. Cool. What else are they going to tell us? You know, this one didn't feel like that. It's pretty, pretty seamless all the way through. And then would you recommend this movie? I am going to say I fucking absolutely recommend this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely one. I'm recommending this movie. Officially. I'm recommending to go see this movie. If you have not seen American History X. On the last episode, I I recommended that everyone saw this movie. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's a a really powerful film uh, and definitely one that, that, um, you know, people should see. Um, Especially in, you know, like times like, like now where we're dealing with these kinds of groups coming back up into um, more of a mainstream um, light, you know, like go and, and watch something like this and change your opinion, you know? And, um, wow, I think we, I think we just gave it a five fingers for that one too. Oh, oh I think American history X just got five. I think we just got, we just got a tie. Ooh. We just got a five finger slap for that From one too. From an alternate even. Look at that. All right. Uh, let's move on to Rushmore. This is Wes Anderson's second offering as a filmmaker. The heavily stylized Because Rushmore so is in the same caliber as Saving Private Ryan and American History X. I mean, it's a very different film, sure. Okay, let's go through it. I really enjoyed this film. Is it timeless? Yes. No. Ugh. This it, I knew this was going to happen. We should have just taken this off the goddamn list. We're just going to argue about it. Um, yeah, it's timeless. Like, it, it's... It's a very artistically done film. It doesn't feel like it's right, trapped in this. an era. It, it's, you know, the art direction is fantastic. The writing is crisp. Um, this is our first um, glimpse of Jason Schwartzman as an actor. It's like his... his uh, Wes Anderson movies are all the same. No, they're not. They are all the same. Some of them are claymation. There's even... <laughs> <laughs> Wes Anderson movies are just for specific people that want to sound cool because they are indie filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go hook up with a chick in L.A. who is a indie hipster chick, yeah, talk about Wes Anderson films. Yeah, you kind of just stroll into a bar in Echo Park and uh, pull up a seat next to somebody and say, you know, every Wes Anderson film has its own color palette and just 
you know, they'll flock to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it is a bit of a niche market, I guess, for um, for moviegoer, but I still feel like it's a timeless piece. Like, I feel like Wes Anderson's body of work will be looked at from, you know, next, the next the generation. The body of work. Yeah. As this movie? It's part of it. It's part of it. It has a very distinct style. It has a very distinct voice. It has its own color palette. Um, <laughs> Man, there's some girls over in L.A. right now going. That are just like, oh. Um, yeah, like I, I think he'll be recognized sort of on a Kubrick level where, you know, like there are very specific commonalities to his filmmaking perspective you know the way he art he has them art direct his films and his sort of tone and everything um that is is going to be very similar to the way He'd people look nowhere at without bill murray <laughs> or the uh, or owen wilson and luke wilson you well know. owen wilson helped write this film yeah I, I'm, owen wilson you know wrote uh bottle rocket uh his first film too so they're very very connected in coming up together through the indie film circuit. Hold on, I'm gonna sure. be a, I'm gonna be a, 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 a hipster girl living in in Portland. Bottle Rocket was that his first film? No way. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it was. Started as a short. They turned it into a full length film. Tell me more. Yeah, Owen Wilson's got a flat top in it. Was it a uh, compelling story? Yes. No. Oh God, damn it. Rushmore is not compelling. What's not compelling what, about this? Like, what this, is compelling this, about it? There's nothing compelling about this film. It's, is this like you don't walk away with like feelings about this annoying kid who puts on plays? He's wonderfully absurd. It's it's Napoleon Dynamite girl. without being sort of like uh, awkward. <sighs> he's he's this wonderfully absurd, precocious teen who puts on these plays. The plays in this movie. He, if I were in high school, Napoleon- I would want to be in. All of Max Fisher's plays, if I went to high school with him. Napoleon Dynamite has a quality about himself that's very endearing. Okay? When you see Napoleon Dynamite, it's a quality that you want to root for him. Sure. And I would argue that Max Fisher has has a bit of that, too. Max Fisher is annoying as fuck. You do not root for him in this play or in this movie. He is annoying, but he's this, like, budding auteur, right? Like, the Serpico. But you do not root for him. And Heaven and Hell, you know, the little plays that he puts on. Okay, first of all, from a film standpoint, like, anytime... I am root, I'm talking about this from a viewer's standpoint. He is annoying, and you do not root for him. He's a he's an amazing theater director. <laughs> yeah, next, or, you know, next. like all of his productions um, are part of like what what makes him like oh no you know what he is this like un like underappreciated genius that nobody Rushmore's really not going to be better than American History X so let's just keep Pro- going probably not okay um is it well cast yes yes it's well cast it's got Bill Murray I can't Bill give Murray's it. I have to give this. it that. yeah um. The the whole scene with him and Luke Wilson where he's at dinner, and like, I like Luke Wilson. So the the OR Scrubs joke is like it still cracks me up to this day. Um, yeah, it's well cast, absolutely. Wes Anderson always uses really really good people in in his movies. Um, would you watch this multiple times? Like, does it hold up no. multiple viewings? Oh my god, man, you hate this movie. I don't like Jason. You dislike this character. movie the way that I dislike Shakespeare in Love. Yes. <laughs> Well, 
we'll see. We'll see if it fares any better. Fuck yes, multiple movies. I've watched this movie multiple times and enjoyed it every single time. Uh, oh, okay, multiple viewings. It would get a half point. Yeah, ha- half a point for that. Uh, would you recommend this film? Film? I'm guessing no. For no, you? I would not recommend this film. Um, the only time I would recommend it if somebody wanted a a type of film that would annoy the shit out of them. I'd right. be like, yes. I mean, if if I'm being completely honest, there are much better Wes Anderson films. Okay. Um, and so if somebody wanted, like, if somebody was like, "Oh, I've never seen a Wes and Anderson honestly, film," I, would I wouldn't agree. recommend. Rushmore I would agree with you on that. I would agree with you on that. There are better Wes Anderson films that I would recommend. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like. You know, Grand Budapest Hotel is is one that's that a pretty would good be film. like you got to watch this movie. One, I would recommend that. It's like heavily stylized, sure, like Wes Anderson, but it also has really fun elements to it that make it a really enjoyable movie to watch. Um, and it goes a little deeper than than Rushmore. You know, he's every new. I mean, even like the Fantastic Mr. Fox is a re- really good movie that I would recommend to somebody. You know, like oh, you're into you're into animation, like check out this stop animation movie. It'll change the way you think about what animation could be, you know? Okay, so that one gets two and a half fingers. Well, better than Shakespeare in Love. Better than so Shakespeare. Actually, pretty, a, a lot better than Shakespeare in Love, actually. A whole finger better than Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, a whole finger. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I really hate that movie, so, you know, cool. It's, it's proof that the movie uh, far outweighs your opinion. <laughs> no, it's proof that... That this metric is science. It is. It is absolutely you science. You can't, yeah. you can't mess you can't, with science. You can't dispute it. It's science. All right. Uh, coming around third here as we get into our last two movies, which are more or less the f- sort of fan favorite movies. Um, they're a little more easy to watch. They don't have... And they have similar plots. They do, they're about TV. Yeah. Similar plots. They have, a, uh, they have a similar kind of uh, vibe to them. People stuck in a old-timey idolization reality. of what reality is. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, both of them stuck in a TV world. Yes. You know? Of course, some we're talking about don't. Truman Show and Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Both, both came out in 1998. Should, should, we, then, should we just rate these uh, like alongside each other? Oh, sure. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. All right. We've never done that before. Okay. Truman right, Show. So Truman and Show. And Pleasantville. Where are they both timeless? Okay, I would say that Truman Show is absolutely timeless, but Pleasantville, I would say has the problem of its of its opening like 15 minutes before they get sucked in the TV. Hmm. First of all, they're getting sucked into a TV. They they get sucked into like a box TV. Yeah, they get yeah. sucked into a box TV. They're fighting over a remote, and the remote gets that's <laughs> the mean, premise. Look, remotes are still relevant. But the remote gets broken and they can't watch TV. I don't feel that that's relevant today because I feel like if they were going to, they would have to re-update, they have to update this film to have them fighting over a tablet, fighting over a phone, fighting over an app. That's true, but that is such a small part of the film for me that like... That's the whole concept of the film. Well, no, no, no. That's just the, the sort of opening 10 minutes. Then once they get into the actual world... Like it doesn't matter how they got sucked in the world; it's magic. But Barney Fife in- comes yeah. as a as yeah. a TV repairman. Mister Limpet's like, "Yo, you should that's have how this he, uh, that's how remote he, control." But that's how he gets into their lives. He plays a TV repairman. He does. So he'd have to play like some. I mean, they'd there have to- are still TV repairmen. Really? Yeah. Anyway, so I think people got to fix. LED I think it's TVs. a little dated. I think it's a little dated. The concept's a little dated. I'm so, gonna I'm gonna disagree. the The crux of this movie, the not the crux, the the whole of this movie, besides the like, really, it is really 90s in the beginning, though. It um, feels a little clueless. It, it does. The beginning of this film is, is that was a, a pun bit, and a a literal reference. A bit a bit in in the sort of clueless <laughs> realm. 
But once they get into the 1950s television show and then everything beyond that yeah, is good. so timeless that I, I think it supersedes, but I'll, I'll concede a half a point. It's fine. Okay, so uh, Truman, Oh, Truman Show, I never finger. Gave, Yeah, Truman Show I, is absolutely timeless. Okay, Truman, one finger, and Pleasantville, a half finger. Uh, also, sort of um, a prediction of like how absurd reality TV show is going to be. Exactly. And uh, there's a bit of this movie, uh, fan theory time. Uh Truman Show is a reality show where they're torturing one guy by having him live his entire life in a giant dome in which a control room um, you know, monitors and dictates everything that happens to him in his reality. That sounds an awful lot like The Hunger Games. True. I posit that The Hunger Games and The Truman Show exist in the same universe and that The Truman Show is also a reality TV show that the Capitol watches. Hashtag... Truman Show Hunger Games. <laughs> oh, hashtag Hungry Truman. Sure. <laughs> um, also, when this movie came out, everyone thought that it was a <clears throat> it was a ripoff of a earlier show that came out in the sixties, mm. in which a secretary was being watched without her knowing it and being videotaped and put onto a and peeing on the TV, and she was a reality show. And this was. And so everyone thought that they were kind of ripped, that the writer ripped it off. He claimed he'd never seen it before. It's like like a candid camera kind of a thing? Not a candid camera where she didn't know that she was being, where everyone around her knew that she was on TV. She didn't. And oh. her entire life was being more more this like was, Ed TV. This was an actual TV show? Yeah. That no. happened in the No, 60s? no, 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 no. It's, this was a movie oh. that came out about a woman who was on TV on a reality show, oh. but didn't know that her entire life was on TV. But she, it was basically the same thing as Truman sure. Show. Well, s- surprise, people are inspired by other works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they changed it to a dude. So it was a compelling. Fine. They it was gender a compelling. swapped it. Um, yeah, absolutely, it's compelling. Uh, Truman Show is, is compelling, and Pleasantville is compelling. Both of them are compelling for different reasons. Yeah, I, I think that the um, the story runs a, a little more emotionally deep in Pleasantville for me. Really? I think that Jim Carrey is so good at making that the Truman Show... <clears throat> Compelling. He does a great job, but he's sort of the only one, right? So his portrayal is, no! is, is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karen from Californication does such a good job. <laughs> no, they they all do. They all like the whole cast does really well to do what they need to do for the movie. But Jim Carrey is sort of the emotional core of that. Movie. And the best friend who only comes over with beer every time. I don't understand that. Still, he's you know he's being the best friend. Yeah, but he always comes over. Hey, you want a beer? I never understand. He always comes I, over with I, that's a beer. sort of like you know uh, sitcom catchphrase kind of. I know thing it's just him. really funny. He's always like, hey, I got a beer, even when he's like lost. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he just, just shows weird. up in the middle of nowhere. He, he comes over at like two in the morning with a beer. I'm like, yeah. why would you do that? It's it's his device, man. All right, is it? Um, uh, but P- Pleasantville has has multiple storylines where it's a bunch of these these uh, fictional characters who um, are thrust into, you know, uh, you know, feeling real emotions and like reality seeps in to their world that has been so controlled, and you know, like the mom's, you know, uh, sort of like crisis of identity. Um, Jeff Daniels, you know, like wants to be, he's this frustrated artist, you know, um, even, you know, Reese Witherspoon's arc in, in, in the thing where she goes she from being sort of banging and learns to read. Yeah. Like she understands the sort of value of like culture and life, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's not all this superficial, uh, pagers and <laughs> was it pagers <laughs> no, back then? Probably. 
you know, it's very 90s at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I'm not changing my vote. <laughs> Wait, you t- you're the one that... Whatever. I know, I'm not changing my vote. I love this movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's com- both, both movies are compelling. Okay, are both movies, do they have... Good casts. Um, are they well cast? Yes. Yes, I agree. Uh, yes. Do they hold up to multiple viewings, both these movies? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I enjoy these movies every time I watch them, and I... Uh, yeah, I look to watch at least one of these movies every year. And would you recommend both these movies? I would. Uh, okay, what's your fucking deal, man? I, I don't know. Like, if somebody hasn't seen The Truman Show, I, I don't know that I am really? like, oh my would... God, you have to see The Truman Show. Like, Well, yeah, in, the, in the concept of Jim Carrey, I would say, if you haven't seen Truman Show... Well, I'd also say The Majestic, but if I'll yeah. say, if you haven't seen Truman Show, you have to see it if you're a fan of Jim Carrey. Outside of that, I wouldn't probably recommend it that much, except for I would say it's a great movie. It, it just doesn't hit me as, as one of those where like I would be like gobsmacked if somebody hadn't seen The Truman Show. Gobsmacked? Yeah, you know. I pull out all the really cool okay. you know, phrases for this show, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> um, but Pleasantville, <clears throat> oh. yes, I would recommend this movie because I love it so much. Um, this is one of those where, like, if somebody hadn't seen the Truman Show, I'd be like, "Oh my God, let's go watch it." I'll put it on my DVD. <laughs> this is one of the first DVDs I, I think I actually owned too, um, and I remember very specifically watching every single special feature about how they did the special effects, the black and white and color mix. You know, all of all of this. Like, I poured into every bit of the multiple yes, hours. Yes, I remember of this seeing DVD. the exact same thing. Um, you know, this is back in the day when when DVDs had all the special features that were um, like they actually added a really good, you know, back behind the scenes, you know, interviews and and, you know, it became a, a part of owning the DVD like liner notes in a CD. You know, this, this is stuff that kids don't get these days. <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't get behind the scenes shit streaming Netflix. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, and and I I know I feel like a like old man Corey here talking about this, but like the special features on a DVD were really cool. The way that liner notes on an album were really cool. Pouring over the album artwork is really cool, you know. And it's a part of our sort of adolescence um, that we got to experience that our kids will not, you know. I mean, if they want to, they can go look at B roll and behind the scenes stuff on YouTube, I suppose. But you know, you you have to like find multiple channels in order to do that instead of just putting in disc two or switching to the special features on the menu. Yeah. And you really want to be able to do that before, before you're in a pine overcoat. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hey man, I'm bringing out you. I'm bringing out all the old phrases. (laughs) I love, I love how you made yourself crack up before you even said it. Like this is gonna be great, and then I was cracking up because I knew it was gonna be terrible. I knew all I knew is that I was like, I'm gonna throw in an old timey fucking phrase right here, but I don't know what it is. I can't with you right now. Oh my God, holy shit! All right, so oh, well, you you tally up Truman Show. I'll tally up uh, Pleasantville right. here. Truman Show, as I've tallied it up, I think it's going to have four and a half fingers. Pleasantville also four and a half fingers. Awesome. 
I'm not sure if we should do them in tandem anymore because they just got the same same score. I don't know if that was coincidence or or what. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, so that's that's all the movies in in our in our list here. Let's uh, let's go ahead and review our scores, starting with lowest to to our top. Okay, lowest Shakespeare in Love <laughs> the with winner one and a half fingers. <laughs> one and a half fingers. It won the fucking Oscar. It is the last on our list. Okay, Beautiful. second lowest is Rushmore with two and a half fingers. Yeah, I contest that. Um, then, then we have. Uh, Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, just above Shakespeare in Love is oh, Life right. is Beautiful with Dua Dita. Uh, ah, it's just a Dua Dita. Dua Dita. Uh, two fingers? I two think? and a half fingers. No, no two, two, fingers. two fingers. Two fingers. So just two and above half, Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, two and a half fingers has Rushmore, which makes it next on our third uh, on the ranking. Okay. Then we have Elizabeth with three and a half fingers. Three and a half. Uh, Trey, uh, half a Dita? <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't know how to speak Italian. Uh, then it looks like we have. Then it looks like we have thin red line. Thin red line with four fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the tie uh, for um, third place here: Truman Show fourth and place. Pleasantville. Truman Show and Pleasantville all have four and a half fingers. Third, third then, place. Because <clears throat> then there's only two two left. Okay. Then we have oh. the last. One, which is a tie. Two-way tie. Between American History X and Saving Private Ryan. Each one had perfect score on our metric mm. of five fingers each. So, how are we going to break this, Corey? Damn it. I, I mean, we, what do we even argue about? They're so vastly different. Like, how do we even come up with, <sighs> like, like, what element of which would be more important than the other? I, I don't know. So, we need a new metric. We need to figure out something that's just as scientific as our metric. Rock, right. paper, scissors? Oh, rock, paper, scissors is very definitive. Yes. Let's okay. do rock, paper, scissors. You do, you, do, you do Saving Private Ryan. I'll do American History X. All right. So okay. I'm playing for Saving Private Ryan. I got a channel. This Saving might be Private the first Ryan. ever audio rock, rock paper, paper, scissors. scissors. Okay. Ready? <sighs> hold on. Hold on. Mm, oh, me, 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 me. <clears throat> okay. All right. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, scissors. paper. Ooh, scissors oh. beats paper. One Damn. for Saving okay, Private Ryan. Okay, two out of three. Ryan. Ready? Go. Rock, rock, paper, scissors, scissors rock. Ooh. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, paper. Ooh. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've known each other for too long. We're in each other's heads. Rock, paper, paper scissors, scissors, papers. Oh, damn it. We're tied. Tied. All right. Here we go. Rock, rock paper, scissors, rock. rock. <laughs> Don't do it again. Rock, paper, scissors, rock. Paper. Yes. Yes. Okay. Saving Private Ryan. It's science. We rock, paper, scissored it. Wins the Oscar. Take it away from Shakespeare in Love. Switch the envelope. Walk it from their cubicle right over to Spielberg and Saving Private Ryan. I am so sorry, American History X. You are second, but a with a bullet because you weren't even nominated for this fucking category. Y- you really should have been nominated for this category. So when they people switch the Wikipedia's on this, let's yes. go ahead and say that American History X deserved to be nominated. Go on to Shakespeare and Love, say that the Oscar has been ripped from them and their nomination has been rescinded from, <laughs> from uh, you know, our recommendation, and then give that Oscar to Saving Private Ryan. Awesome. All right, so. Oh, that was exhilarating. The rock, good paper, show. scissors. <laughs> that's exhilarating. I think I, uh, I think they, I think I hear the music, so that means what, Corey? Oh, there's only one thing left to do, Jeff. Okay, that is only one thing left to do. Show. Okay, we're going to dedicate this show to someone a little different. Normally, we dedicate it to uh, someone obscure. 
But this week, we're going to dedicate it to a legend. We're actually going to dedicate this for real. Uh, this week, we lost a legend. We lost Stan Lee this week. So we are going to dedicate this episode to the man, the myth, the legend, the man of Marvel, and all your favorite comics, unless you're a DC fan. And all of your favorite comic book movies. They wouldn't exist without this man. Exactly. We're going to dedicate this episode to Mr. Stan Lee. Excelsior. Rest in peace, man. The following has been a Riff Laugh production.